welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This is a podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. We also dig into publishing industry news and stories that you may have missed. Today, we're talking about our entertainment comfort zones, and we have a wonderful, wonderful interview with best-selling author Alyssa Cole about her new book, How to Find a Princess, and much more. Danielle and I will update each other on our goals from last episode, and we're going to be talking about what brought us joy this week. All right, let's get to it. All right. Well, Danielle, I know that the people listening to us feel like it's just been a week since they heard from us, but you and I have actually not talked to each other in almost a month. I know it's like funny in real lifetime. We, it has been a very long time (laughs) since we've hung out in quotation mark. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) It's going well. So yeah, like um, I've been telling you guys this whole time, like my husband and I just moved from Dallas to Seattle, Washington. Well, Kirkland, Washington officially now. So that has been occupying a lot of my energy and brain space. Now that we've got an apartment and I'm feeling good about that, like feeling really good. What about you? How's your, how's your energy? Good. Really good. We are counting down the days to the last day of school. This will, this podcast will go up before the last day of school. She is like ready to be on summer break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our teacher almost every day, probably for the last like week or so, it's been like, oh, you know, it's almost the end. Like I'm getting kind of sad. And you know, other students will chime in and say they're sad. And Ivy is like the one that's like, I'm excited for summer. (laughs) (laughs) Like no holds barred. Like she's just, she is ready. I mean, her birthday is in August. She is like a summer baby. Like she to be outside. She loves when it's hot. Like, I think she's, and, but she's also just like, she's like, I think ready. She's a very good student. She does her work and then she's like, she's done. You she know? works hard so, and plays hard. Yeah. She <laughs> loves it. So, so yeah, so that's where we are. We're like, it's just, you know, just, you feel busy. It, feel, it just, like, I feel super busy, even though like, again, I was I'm looking up my calendar right now and I was like, there's really nothing on here. Yeah. It's just like a lot of anticipation, like a lot yeah, of stuff definitely. coming for you. <laughs> Huh. Um, so what's one good thing you've achieved this week when I don't, I don't want to say five or seven as if I'm bragging, but I read somewhere between five and seven copies of food network magazine, food and wine and Bon Appetit magazine in the last like two weeks. Right. Um, cause I've just, yeah, it was just really soothing kind of like that comforting, um, content, just kind of getting through that. And there's something very, liberating about finishing a magazine. I know that sounds silly, but it's like reading every article and going, I have a process. So it's like, I go through it and then I go back and reread all the articles that I didn't read the first time. And so it takes a little bit. But yeah. What about you? Hi. Well, I'm going to say, I love all of those magazines. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but I'm the person I'll like rip out a recipe and then I'll forget about it. Yep. And, but it's like aspirational, I think. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever make anything out of any of those dishes, but some of them I'm like, oh, well maybe I'll try some new spice in my chicken dish the next time I cook. (laughs) I finished my first draft of my third book, but it's one of those, it's like, it's good. I'm glad I finished it, but it's one of those things where I know the revision is going to be very big because I was like, you know, I was writing the book and it was great and it's fine. And then, but then I got to probably, I got to like 75% through what it eventually the full total ended up being. But I was like, I finally figured out like what wasn't, I didn't know this mm. was working, but then I figured mm-hmm. out something that wasn't working. So I was like, oh, so <laughs> I need to go back and change a whole bunch of stuff. 
but it is, it's finished and, and, it, and I think it's in pretty decent shape. Now that I, I have been working with my agent and my editors and stuff, like I'm starting to really understand the, in, not that I didn't before, but the importance of revision. You can tweak things and mm-hmm. it makes sense and, you know, and you change some stuff. But in this book, like, I think this is the first time where I have just like, it's, it's very messy. And I was, but I was like, that's okay. I can go back and yeah. work it. And then I know that I'm going to have other people who will eventually look at it too. Yeah. I really am like a solo writer. I don't really have a critique group or anything. Like I bounce ideas off of my author friends and stuff, but I don't really have like, you know, like a dedicated group or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I am with book three, but it feels good. It feels good to have it done at this. And I'm letting it, I'm also letting it sit for, mm-hmm. I'm going to let it, I think I'm going to like take like a month, not a month off of writing, but like a month away from this particular book and then go back yeah. and go from there. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. And writers always talk about like every book, it gets easier. Every and mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't get easier because it's yeah. going to have different challenges, but the, like the process of it. And so hearing you say that, like the things that you're recognizing every time you finish a book that you as you build your career, you're going to be able to bounce off of and grow from. Yeah. And I think, I think learning a process and figuring out not, you know, not an exact timeline about how long it takes me to write a book, but just having like a general idea and knowing how far I can push myself or how far I don't want to necessarily push myself is all like a learning curve. Yeah. This hopefully be, does become, you know, a very long career. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So yeah. yeah, I can't wait to buy all your books. So (laughs) everybody, everybody better buy these books. That's Um, right, guys. This week on the Fresh Fiction podcast, we are talking (laughs) about something that I think is kind of like a little, I don't know. I don't want to say like, it's a little woo woo, but it's like something Mm. that is a little bit more abstract than what we have talked about thus far. And, but it's something that I think has been very important throughout, particularly the pandemic is what our comfort comfort zones are when it comes to our media consumption or yep. entertainment consumption. You know, what do we gravitate towards and what do we do also to push our boundaries? Because I think humans are evolving all the time. And I think I just personally, I'm always trying to like think about why I'm watching or reading or listening yep. to thing. I thought we could just chat about that. Like, what are some things that we've watched and read and listened to that are outside of our normal? I think we've talked a lot about stuff that we like to read and the uh, the content that we consume things from that are always going to pull me into a story and that I look for when I'm like looking for comforting content. I like a family. I like a story about either a made family or a born family. So, you know, if it's like an actual family comedy, like modern family or blackish, or it's something where the friends have made their own family. So again, like a good example for that is friends or how Mm -hmm. I met your mother. Um, You know, like these found families, those are always, those it's always something that just brings me such comfort. But then on the other side of that, there's also the dysfunction of family. So things like succession and righteous gemstones, where it's just nightmare families are things that I really, really gravitate toward and love when it, when it comes to comforting, which is weird because like sitting in, and I know I've mentioned succession a million times, but like sitting and watching the Roy family tear each other apart makes mm-hmm. me so thankful for the own like light dysfunction in my family. <laughs> and so, and that's one of the things that it's so easy to 
put yourself into the relatableness of, of a story mm-hmm. to find yourself in that. And this is also something I'm always looking for. It's like one of the reasons I gravitate towards reality television also because it's loud noise around me because it's something I don't have in my life all the time, but it is something I grew up around. So it just is very comforting in that sense. I think I, we, well, we kind of talked about this back when we talked to Rosie Dannon about reality TV. Like I don't watch a ton of reality mm-hmm. TV, but I do like, I, but I have like kind of established favorites. Like I love Top Chef. I love Project yeah. Way. Like those. So I guess there's like something about comp, like the competition ones, you know, I really love the Great British Baking Show. Yeah. Um, it might be the process of it too, of like watching people, creative people do their process. True. Maybe that's what I like, but I also, and I, I know I've talked about that, you know, I, there, if there's a medical drama out there, <laughs> at least watch the first few episodes when it comes to books and stuff like that. Like as long if, if it's a romance, I'm probably going to yeah. give it a roll. <laughs> and mine's, if it's a domestic thriller, I'm always like, oh yeah, I'll give that a try. Even if I don't finish it, I'll give it a start. <laughs> what have we recently been watching or reading or listening to that's outside of our comfort zone? Yeah, I'm always like super interested in, but I'm always scared to really get into it. <laughs> it's like high fantasy and science fiction, yeah. and particularly in books. Like I can watch a science fiction movie or, or TV show And I think because it's like, it's being presented to me visually, like I just see it and I understand it. Mm -hmm. But when I read it, I feel like you have to read it so carefully to really understand the rules of the world. I mean, that is so important in fantasy and science fiction is establishing the world and the rules and how everybody operates within them. But I have found some books that have really worked for me. And I I would even put some paranormal romance into this paranormal romance is like not my go-to genre but when it's really well done and it's established well and I understand things like from the start then I'm yeah one of my absolute favorite high fantasy series is called the old kingdom series by Garth Nix and the first book is called I think it's Sabriel and it's about a woman or a, she's, she starts out as a teenager. She grows up through the series, but she's the daughter of a necromancer who has gone missing. So she kind of takes on being the necromancer and mm. moving through this world. And there are sort of zombies and there's a school element. And, and it was just, I don't know what it was about it that really just really worked really well for me. I read this probably maybe about a decade or so ago and mm. it's one that I revisit quite often. And in really exciting news, there's a new, a prequel, a book that's coming out that's actually about Sabriel's parents, which oh, is cool. Like, yeah, it's really, really, really great. So I'm excited for that. But more recent, a couple of books that have come out in the last year, one was Persephone Station by Stina Liked. I think I'm saying her name right. I'm not 100% sure. It's science fiction and it takes place in kind of the distant future. And there's bounty hunters, there's intergalactic travel, you know, just all <laughs> a little bit everything. Yeah. So that's really cool. Another recent release that I really liked was Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell, which also it had kind of an arranged marriage situation. And, and that's also science fiction. Now, this one's a little funny because I don't know if I completely understand the world in this, but <laughs> it was so compelling and easy to read, but it's The Undoing and The Unleashing by Shelley Laurenston, mm-hmm. who I think just does a really great job of creating like these worlds that you're just thrown into. And it's yeah, just like, she's so good about is. That. 
and this is what it is, whether it's Valkyries in this series or if it's Honey Badgers in her other yep. series. <laughs> they're, and they're so funny and the people are really great. And she, she's, I think really, she really handles like a big cast of characters really well. And then the final book that I want to talk about is, or a series is called, they're called the Rory Thorne Chronicles by Kay Eason. This does the really fun thing where it like kind of combines science fiction and fantasy. I think it was in one of the Marvel mm. movies where they said, you know, magic is just science we don't understand yet. And that I think is really kind of thought about in this series really well, but it's about a young girl who eventually has to become like, she's a princess. She's supposed to like kind of take over the galaxy. She's supposed to get married, but it turns out the guy she marries isn't actually him. It's his clone. It's like this, this whole thing. And then another thing that was outside of my comfort zone, my husband and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, decided to do this when Disney Plus was um, mm -hmm. up, is we watched all of the Marvel movies. And I just, I would see them, you know, if, if we wanted to go to the movies, we would go see them, but they were never really my thing. And now yeah. I'm just like, I'm like here for it. I love all the Marvel movies. They're all kind of the same movie in yep. my mind. But I really, I really have enjoyed them. They're, you know, they're really, they're action packed and, and, you know, fast paced. And I think especially, you know, what in like, was that April or May when we did sit down and watch all of them, <laughs> um, they were well, they were well needed. And then my final thing, this is also pandemic related, but I had stopped watching the news for mm -hmm. a really long time. And I'm now just, and I don't know what it is, but I love the local news. I love- I do too. I, I love local news. Chicago, I'm worse, it works out of my comfort zone because I was avoiding it so much. Yeah. Um, and it's such a nice way to tiptoe back into news. Like, cause you're like, it's local. I care about what's going on in my community. I care about what's going on in the town next to me. Yeah, exactly. So yes, those are mine. What about you, Gwen? Oh, I love all of those. Okay. So my, I also agree about having difficulty with like high fantasy or fantasy in general. For me, it's like, as, if there's not a vampire or if there's not a sexy vampire or a ghost in it, I'm usually like not intrigued at all. I need, I need smooching with sexy ghosts and vampires, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying shadow and bone on Netflix to the point where I'm actually considering once we finish the show, reading the series. I know of that I know being an adaptation, they've changed a lot of things in the from the book and in the into the show, but I've just really enjoying it. And it's got like a little bit of a game of it's got like just enough Game of Thrones to it that I'm interested, but not as like highbrow, even though it's weird to say Game of Thrones is highbrow because I don't really think I think it's just disguised with fancy accents and being highbrow. <laughs> yeah. But um this is definitely not highbrow. <laughs> uh, but I've been enjoying it. It's really fun. Ben Barnes is a babe in it. Um <laughs> He's delightful. And it, I think she is half Chinese, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. It's got a really good diversity in the cast too. So it's yeah. also something fun. Um, another thing that's weird for me that I, when I started listening to podcasts, I only listened to like comedy podcasts and a lot of them were dominated by men. And then as soon as more women's voices were able to be out there and, and more podcasts were driven by women, I pretty much eliminated men narrated podcasts other than like occasional screenings of the daily yeah. to just like my women friends on podcasts. <laughs> but um, on the drive out here, I, we listened to Dana Carvey's got a new podcast called fantastic that he does with his son um, and neighbor. I think she is. I'm not really sure, but it's really fun. It's like 35 minutes. If you like Dana Carvey, which I had been missing going back to comfort, I had been missing a lot of like stand up from my from when I was a kid uh, mm -hmm. and so getting to see 
or getting to hear his new podcast has been really fun. And then also like the fact that one of his sons was in um, a lot of his routines growing up or mm-hmm. as, as Dana Carvey was coming up, so getting to hear the son's voice. I'm like, are you going to talk about naked time? Like we have questions <laughs> for you. The other one is Ron Funches is get, getting better podcast. So Ron Funches is a, um, he's mostly a voice actor, but he also hosts a version of uh, Chopped on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. And he is a stand-up comedian, but he's got a podcast called Getting Better where he interviews different comedians or talent, different um, media people about their like process of getting better. So if it's like either doing therapy or vision boards or journaling or diets and stuff. So he talks to different people about that and, and what motivates them to keep going. And I've really enjoyed, I always enjoy that podcast because he's just got such a nice calm energy about him. Um, And then another thing for me, I'm not a big serialized or I'm not a really big procedural fan. I like serialized shows if I want it to kind of more, I don't like it as episodic. I want it to be more serialized, but I'm really enjoying on ABC Big Sky, which is an adaptation of a CJ Box book. It's done by David E. Kelly. So if you liked Big Little Lies or Ally McBeal, it's kind of got that same sort of energy, but it's real weird. Like every episode is a cliffhanger. These young girls are being trafficked by um, who knows who. Mm-hmm. I know who, but I'm not going to say who. Well, now where does this show go? And every episode, it's just wild and different and crazy. So I think it's fun because it's I, I get out of my comfort zone in the fact that it's a procedural, but then mm-hmm. it's also got that serialized twist. You never know what to expect sort of energy from it. Um, and then the last for me, I love foreign language films, but I have a hard time with foreign language shows because it just, it takes a lot more attention. You, you really can't do anything else. So those tend to not be in my comfort zone, but I've been really enjoying Call Your Agent and Sexify on Netflix. Call Your Agent is a French show. I know I've mentioned it before about film and television agents in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then, and every week they have, a, or every episode, they have a different French actress that um, is known by French people. I don't know who any of them are. None of them are Gerard Depardieu, so I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Sexify is about a girl in Sweden. It's some, some one of those countries up there. She designs a app to help people increase their intimacy, but she is sexually inexperienced. So she has to learn about in- intimacy to be able to develop this app. And it's really funny, a little zany. It's got, it's like that perfect new adult range where it's not quite YA anymore, but they're still pretty young and immature. But uh, yeah, those are sort of things that I've been taking a step out of my typical reality and news bites that I have been consuming recently. Such good things about Call Your Agent. It's really good. Uh, yeah, I really, I do want to watch it, but I also, I mean, I think it's like the nature of smartphones, but now it's like, if I'm watching TV, I'm also on my phone. Yep. So I am, I'm like hesitant to have to, like have to look at subtitles, which, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I took French for a really long time, but I mean, by no means can I like just listen to a show and exactly what's going on, you know? So mm-hmm. Hmm, I may have to try Call Your Agent though. I've really, I've, a lot of people have told me. It's so good. good. The writing is so clever. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I just really like about it. But again, it's like, I can only watch like an ep- like two episodes at a time. Yeah. Otherwise I'm like, I have other things I need to do. If I could just put this on the background. It's not like it's Discovery Plus where I could just put it on the background and forget about it. Hmm. I agree. So I thought it would be fun to also talk about things that we just do not want to consume at right. all. 
Like what are major turnoffs for you? For me, it's most police procedurals and medical procedurals, unless it's like SVU. I haven't even watched, I haven't even watched the new organized crime yet for Law and Order. I've heard uh, it's not great. I've heard it's yeah. muddled. Like there are parts that are really interesting, but then the rest of it's like, oh. It's a mess. The yeah. one thing that's intriguing about it is the fact that it is serialized. Like that's kind of cool where he's on the hunt to get um, Dylan McDermott, but yeah, like it just, it just yeah. seems sloppy. Yeah. So I'm just not really into them, even though I'll, I'll try them. I always know that they're just not, it's just not going to stick for me. It's got to be really special. I don't care for anything with kids in peril content, or we used to call it like kids that are extraordinary. And so therefore people want to get those kids. So the whole film or book or whatever is about protecting kids or anything that's got like trafficking of children or mm -hmm. sex crimes like that stuff just makes me and there was such a brash of it for so long yeah. and I know it's easy it's easy to get like a, a gut reaction from that kind of content but still it's so upsetting mm -hmm. um, and then I guess in the same vein for that it's also anything that an animal or yeah. a pet isn't safe and even if it's like Marley and me or a dog's purpose like yeah. I don't want to watch it <laughs> mm -hmm. I agree Especially if it's a show where you know that this, it could go that, you know, if you see like a dog in a trailer or a promo or whatever, it's just like, all right, I gotta, I gotta spoil it first. So I know mm -hmm. that that animal is fine. I know there's, there's a website called it does the dog die.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, thank goodness for people like that, because that's, that's what I want to know. Yeah. I don't need to know if it has drug or alcohol use in it. I need to know that an animal dies <laughs> or a child is in peril. <laughs> Real problems. I feel like, I don't know. I don't, okay. Let's talk, wait, let's talk about this for a second. Yeah, Why let's do it. are particularly podcasts and I don't want, you know, I don't want to be like that person that's like, why do people like this? Because you like what you like, go sure. with it. But why are like murder and true crime shows all of a sudden like marketed towards like women, like we are in mm -hmm. that target demographic that we will always go out be. and buy things. But I guess then the other question is why do other people, why do people actually like listening to that stuff? Like, mm -hmm. so yeah, any like murder and true crime shows. And I feel like there are so many podcasts in particular lately. And maybe it's because it is, you're just listening to people. You're not actually seeing it on screen or something. I don't know. Maybe. I just have no interest in it. I don't, I don't care about cold cases. Like, I don't want to know that you never figured out who murdered this mm -hmm. person. Like that, that like makes me spiral and never want to leave the house. Well, and it's also like one thing that is constantly brought up in, in the conversation about like a, around true crime is it's the glorification of the killer a lot of the times and the story of the victim, the typically a woman, the story of the victim or a marginalized person is forgotten or it's just sort of like glossed over. It's not even that it's forgotten. It's just something that's happened to somebody, but now we're going to spend 10 episodes talking about the killer's issues with his mom. Yeah. And it's like, I do like true crime because I find it cathartic and it's like, at least someone is going to jail. It's the same thing. Like I like about SVU, like, um, mm -hmm. it's very different than the real life is it's like, at least at the end of the day, I know that the bad guy at that episode is going to go to jail. Hopefully mm -hmm. finger, unless it's one of those tricky episodes where they're like, everyone is innocent and everyone's guilty. 
Yeah. But I think that, cause I've had this conversation a lot about like, why do women specifically, mm-hmm. why are they, why do they gravitate towards true crime? And also why is it marketed towards women? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a safety thing. We feel so unsafe, so much of our existence. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you see like a bad, you, you get to hear the story of a bad thing happening, but then the hope is that that person at least goes to jail for it, or at least doesn't do that to anybody else, or at least that story gets told. Yeah. I just feel like whenever I hear someone's like, oh, you should listen to this podcast. And, you know, and it's like, it dives into this murder that's never been solved. I was like, you know, that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, Like you, and that was, that was enough. You know, <laughs> my friend Rochelle is the same way. Like, uh, in at book club, one of our book club members, Sarah, she'll oh every week has a new news or murder podcast that she's talking about, mm-hmm. and I could just see Rochelle just like cringing, just like I don't, I don't want anything unhappy. I want happy, right. happy stories. Right, exactly. And then my other thing is, and you don't see this as much, but they still pop up. But it's single person podcast where it's yes, just what do you mean by person this? Just- oh, okay talking like not it's just one person and then they interview something but it's like someone will just be like I don't know if it's supposed to be like narrative nonfiction mm-hmm. or whatever something like that but like I just I don't it I don't know I don't know if it like feels like it's just someone just talking at me for an hour or whatever however long it is but I just I don't like that I, I like there to be some like interaction conversation yeah. So I think that's, that's our comfort zone conversation. I really liked this. It, yeah. it made me think about how else I can work outside of my comfort zone, but also I'm not going to like start listening to murder podcasts. Right. Right. But I'm like, Oh, but we can find a single person podcast that might be interesting to you. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you must remember this, but that might not be that interesting to you. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with our interview with one of our favorite authors, Alyssa Cole. Our guest today is New York Times bestselling author Alyssa Cole. Alyssa Cole is an award-winning author of historical, contemporary, and sci-fi romance. Her contemporary rom-com, A Princess in Theory, was one of the New York Times' 100 notable books of 2018, and her books have received critical acclaim from Library Journal, BuzzFeed, Kirkus, Booklist, Jezebel, Vulture, Book Riot, Entertainment Weekly, as well as various other sources. When she's not working, she can be found watching anime or wrangling her many pets, which we're hoping we will get to hear a little cameo of later today. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I wish our viewer or listeners could see the cool background that you have. What is this creature that you have as your background? <laughs> um, it is from, why am I totally blanking? I know. Um, so Miyazaki, <laughs> it is from Princess Mononoke, I believe. And oh, it is, yeah. you know, one of those giant earth creatures uh, coming to kill the humans for <laughs> for <laughs> messing with earth and mother nature as you find in Miyazaki films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well deserved, actually. <laughs> We're here today to talk about the latest book in your Runaway Royals series, How to Find a Princess, which is a spinoff of the Reluctant Royals. And I know currently when we're recording this, the royals, the actual, the royal fam, the British royal family is kind of having a moment 
People are, are paying attention to them <laughs> for, for good and bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering, what is the what what is it about the Royals, the idea of the Royals that keeps you coming back to them? For me, so I'm actually not like a Royal fan. Uh, I'm a fan of Harry and Meghan, um, but I kind of am really interested in the power dynamics and the ways in which this is kind of a burden. Mm-hmm. Hence uh, the reluctant and runaway royals, but also um, what people can do with this kind of life that they've been born into, whether they want wanted it or not. You know, there's kind of like the fun stuff of royalty and the fairy tale aspect, but also I like getting into the political aspect. And as I was watching the, you know, the stuff playing out with the royal family, I was like, hmm. You guys should have read my books. You could have seen. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I predicted this. (laughs) Um, I did predict Harry and Meghan in a way uh, Mm -hmm. because (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to write a redheaded prince who falls in love with a black woman. Um, They don't have any issue. There was like, that's not their issue as it was for Harry, unfortunately Mm -hmm. for Harry and Meghan. But people were like, then it came out. Uh, you know, after they were like already married and they mm-hmm. were like, oh, is this based on Harry and Megan? And I'm like, actually, no, they are based on. <laughs> 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 they are based on Nia and Yohan. Yeah, that was actually really weird because um, Nia, I know a lot of people call her Naya. That's because I did not say how to pronounce her name. So Nia or Naya, both mm-hmm. are fine. Um, <laughs> like I said earlier, sometimes I just spell things and then in my yeah. head, I'm like, yes, everyone pronounces it this way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, cause my, I have a cousin named Naya and she was like, oh, this character is named after me. And I'm like, no, it's Nia. And she was like, what? And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's been some misunderstanding, but basically like, you know, this character who kind of has, is not like Megan, but also had like a really narcissistic, terrible father. Mm-hmm. and then Johan who was slightly purposely based on Prince Harry um, but is also based on Mr. Rogers which <laughs> I like and I also <laughs> saw something this weekend that said Mr. Rogers was bisexual and I was like so he was he's kind of more based on Mr. Rogers than right. uh, Prince Harry yeah but um <laughs> you know like sexy kindness and I, I won't get into like Mr. Rogers hotness some people are uncomfortable <laughs> with that but yeah. kindness is hot Um, I don't think he was like a playboy, but I don't know what he did in his spare time. I'm not going to speculate. Um, He was a good, he was a good like married man, but yeah, he probably got up to some stuff. Like, you know, you know, just kindness and kind of being wanting to purposely wanting to change the world Mm -hmm. and not wanting that much credit for it. And I have totally lost what we were talking about because I started talking about hot Mr. Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the British royal family. Yeah. (laughs) If you've ever wondered how my books turn out, how they do, it's like, let's start talking about the British royal family. End up talking (laughs) about hot Mr. Rogers. yeah. But yeah, they, you know, they're, they're in trouble. And that's partially it is something that I only have one book set in Great Britain, which is mm-hmm. a Duke by default. And you can see that because this is kind of an AU world, like, I don't really address the existence of most of the royal family, like yeah. the queen shows up at the end of the book, spoiler. Uh, she's briefly <laughs> there, but she's called the queen. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you can imagine her however you want. Um, and that book is actually, you know, Tavish, who is a secret love child of a Duke. 
mm-hmm. and who inherits a dukedom. And part of the reason he accepts it is because Great Britain is, you know, he's from a multiracial family. He's the son of a refugee and yeah. he, a Chilean refugee, and he kind of wants to counter the rising, you know, anti-immigrant and racist tide that is in, uh, you know, happening in Britain. And I didn't want to get mm-hmm. too deeply into that. The royal family should have read a duke by default, at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> I mean, someone get it to Queen well. Elizabeth. <laughs> just send like a care package. Here you yeah. go. Exactly. <laughs> just some, just some, you know, informative light reading, guys. It would help you out a little bit. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, as a kid, I grew up, I used to read a lot of tabloids. I read tabloids. All, I mean, I read everything, but tabloids were like, you know, very quick, easy reads. I could like beg for them at the supermarket and mm-hmm. get them and read a whole variety of things I probably shouldn't be reading because I would get like <laughs> the Inquirer, Weekly World News. And, you know, wow, in those yeah. days, like <laughs> Princess Diana and the royal family were, you know, nice. always in the tabloids. So it was something that kind of, you know, always stuck in my mind. I mean, as a kid, I thought Princess Diana was great too, and I I still do. So when I say like I'm not a royal watcher or royal fan, I wasn't, but I kind of, there was no escaping it when I was growing up. So it kind of was something that was always in the back of my mind. And kind of as I started writing and thinking about power dynamic and the responsibilities and the, you know, ways that things can go wrong in, in royalty and also kind of a way to explore like I don't live in the U.S. right now but I'm from the U.S. and Mm -hmm. um, I live in a a a Caribbean country that is part of France thanks to you know good old imperialism Uh, so (laughs) I you know just thinking about even our our government and exploring ways that things could be changed for the better but through these fictional mostly fictional mm-hmm. royal families and kingdoms that are made up in those series. Visnaria was a side character from How to Catch a Queen and she's as charming as ever in this book. <laughs> Do you I, I'm really curious about like your process with um, knowing in advance how you are going to bring characters back do you pl- do you plan to plant them in the story and come back to it or does it just happen? It just happens like characters kind of just pop up when I was first writing a princess in theory like years ago when I started mm-hmm. writing it 2014 like Johan just showed up at a cocktail party <laughs> and I was like oh okay we have a playboy here like I'm not sure it's going to happen with the rest of the book. Uh, Portia was already there. She was her best friend. And I was like, okay, I would like to come back to her story. Obviously, something's going on with her. Mm-hmm. And then um, as the reluctant worlds went on, I was kind of like, I want everyone to have a story. Like I have so many mm-hmm. <laughs> short story ideas for characters who are just there on page for like one page or two pages. Yeah. And this story was actually originally going to be someone who showed up in a princess in theory. And I was like, okay, look, I cannot just keep going and finding these random characters. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so how to catch a queen was Shanti, who was very briefly in a princess in theory and, you know, didn't have a great time while she was there. And I kind of (laughs) wanted to give her her own story and have her see what she was really like. When I was writing How to Catch a Queen, I had no conception of Visnaria. I knew what I wanted How to Mm. Find a Princess to be about, basically. But I didn't know who the characters were. I knew who Makeda was, basically. Like, I didn't know her name or exact location and job and all that. But I knew her basic characteristics. And then I was actually revising How to Catch a Queen. And then suddenly this character just 
literally scaled the wall into the kingdom (laughs) (laughs) and appeared and I was like okay all right I'm gonna go with this and I would be the perfect character actually for the next I didn't plan it she showed up out of nowhere and I was like all right I definitely have to (laughs) make this the heroine (laughs) of the next book (laughs) sometimes they're just you know they just are loud and want to be on that page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that I really liked about Bez and Makeda, that they're both kind of fixers in their own way, and they both mm-hmm. want to be overly helpful. <laughs> and they also either want to be completely in control or just feel like they're in control, yes. which are all things that I very much relate to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can you talk about kind of like pitting these two characters together or putting these two characters together because it could it's like either it's gonna work because they are both so like we want to make everything right but then also they can butt heads which I think we see for a lot of it um and then kind of letting them realize that they they just need to let themselves fall in love (laughs) yeah with these two characters I really was trying to play around with I I like I really love the dynamic of order Muppet versus chaos Muppet Mm -hmm. and so with this I was kind of trying to do that but I was like I want both of them to have aspects of order order Muppet and chaos Muppet because Makeda is the order muppet nominally the order muppet but she is very chaotic in the way she tries (laughs) to keep order because she's constantly trying to control everything and to help and do these random things that no one asked her to do which causes (laughs) chaos for other people whether she understands that or not or Mm -hmm. she comes to understand whereas Mm -hmm. besnaria is completely chaotic but she does inside of her head she does have an internal logic system for the chaos that she is causing and it does have a goal she's not just doing and the goal is usually to help in some yeah. way so I kind of wanted to I didn't I wanted them I wanted to just kind of explore like the different facets of help helpiness helper yeah. helpy type people because I am one it was so, and like mm-hmm. it's just funny things like after I had finished writing this book it was like months later talking to my therapist about something and I was like I came to a, rec- a realization and then I got the page proofs back for, <laughs> for how to find a princess. And I was like, oh, actually, I came to that realization many months ago for this character <laughs> that I was writing that was supposedly nothing like me. Yeah, so I kind of just wanted to show, because I didn't, I really wanted to play around. Like, I didn't want it to just be like, okay, the order person is completely starchy and uptight. Because I feel like there are so many different ways that people try to help. Um, and try to exert control in a world that they have really not much control in. So I just kind of wanted to play around with that and have Besnaria be this, it, who was actually like very difficult to write mm-hmm. because I was like, um, like a lot of both, I feel like both of them I was drawing from different, like with most of my characters drawing from, some people do not draw from themselves at all when they write. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I draw from different aspects of myself depending on the characters. And with Besnaria, I was like, a lot of the kooky, I guess you could call it, but mm-hmm. neurodivergent things that I do that other people who are not neurodivergent or even other neurodivergent people might not understand because we're all different. And right. trying to put that into a character and make her somewhat coherent <laughs> while also trying to show that she is often not coherent mm-hmm. <laughs> at all because I write characters that are dealing with anxiety and you know sometimes for example Portia and a Duke by default default is neuro has ADHD she's neurodivergent Mm -hmm. 
and she's coming to terms with that. Yeah. Because Naria is like, no, I am amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone else needs to like catch up or right. just deal with it because I'm great. Like I'm good. <laughs> everyone else is the issue here. And uh, how to catch a queen. The king is the one with anxiety. Shanti is generally like, she's fine. <laughs> she's stable. <laughs> Uh, she she messes up and she but she's like the secure one she's like no. yeah I'm I'm smart I can do things um she messes up within their relationship mm-hmm. um but I so I'm kind of trying to explore like also people security insecurity self-sufficiency and of course right. how that comes into play in relationships it was also a bit difficult with Makeda because both her and Besnaria are very self-sufficient Mm -hmm. They don't technically need anyone else because they don't depend on anyone else for anything. And they both want other people very much to depend on them. So like, it was very difficult. It's a a slow burn. It's like, they don't don't, like, you know, get it on till the end of the book. And I, I definitely want to write an epilogue or something because like, this was a pandemic book. Um, <laughs> yeah. when they were like oh the proof went out I was like what <laughs> no I wanted to make my corrections but um, I really wanted to expand more on, um, on the end and I didn't get a chance to do that I wanted them to have more time to have fun they have fun together in it but um, mm-hmm. to show them in a relationship but yeah because it kind of part of the difficulty of writing two characters who are self-sufficient and mostly fine with being self-sufficient is that they're not just going to be like yeah let's do this right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like really going to find reasons not to do this mm-hmm. uh, so it's like one step forward five steps back sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> So we love fairy tale retellings. Uh, How to Find a Princess is loosely retelling, uh, or it's loosely based off of Anastasia. Um, What do you enjoy about using fairy tales to make the basis of your stories? I feel like um, in a way it can be a bit of a shortcut. It's Mm -hmm. dealing, or not even a shortcut, but it's like get providing a framework that people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, you kind of get to play around with it and change things a bit like in this story it's an Anastasia retelling but like her mom is technically the Anastasia Mm -hmm. and she's the one who has dealt with the fallout of being the child of someone (laughs) who's like an like an Anastasia type um Mm -hmm. person who was like oh I'm the descendant of this royal family and right I was trying to think about like you know when people get really involved in royal being obsessive about royalty and then imagining someone like thinking they are royalty and it's being like kept from them um yeah. so with this like I kind of wanted to play around with that and have the escapism but also have it a really strong not be someone who's like oh I'm looking for my royal heritage is like someone who's like no I absolutely want nothing to do with this <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm fine and this will actually solve none of my problems I think taking those frameworks and kind of being able to play around in them they're like a good basis and then you kind of get to build something totally different on top if you want but it's the, mm-hmm. the foundation is still there for people who are familiar with the original and even if they're mm-hmm. not they can enjoy what you've done yeah such an easy entry for it yeah. so Gwen and I always every episode we talk about what's bringing us comfort and joy so it could be 
I don't know, a skincare product, or it could be a book you read or just something that happened that makes you happy. What's something that's made you happy in the last couple of weeks? It's actually a manga that I'm reading. Um, It's called Spy Family. (laughs) And it's set in a fantasy kingdom um, or fantasy country rather. And there's like a top spy and it's kind of like East Germany, West Germany type Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. but fantasy countries. And there's the top spy and his, you know, people have infiltrated the other country. Mm-hmm. And in order to get close to this target, he has to take a wife, get a wife and a child for this operation mm-hmm. um, to enroll the child in the same school as like the person that he's targeting. Yeah. So he finds this wife who... Um, of course has no idea that he's a spy she thinks he's a doctor and he like basically adopts this child and it's like he's all like this is just for the job whatever and it turns out that she can read people's minds but she so she he doesn't know this he Mm -hmm. thinks she's just a strange child she knows he's a spy because she can read his mind and knows everything but she's also like five so she's (laughs) and then he finds a wife and he makes this agreement so it's like a marriage of convenience thing too and he thinks she's just like some regular woman and she's like a stone cold assassin but (laughs) (laughs) but she has she had to get married because if you're unmarried at a certain age in this country people start to think you might be like a secret agent or something so she's like oh I have to get married so they come to this agreement and so the kid knows that they are both lying but she doesn't tell him them and like yeah. they both think and she so the wife is all like oh I'm trying to be a good wife but like all I know is so she's like because she can just like kill people so like that's what she's good at not cooking mm-hmm. or anything like that mm-hmm. and he's like I'm just here on this mission but of course now he has this family um so it's just cute um yeah. it can be a little you know well, it's a spy and an assassin so there can be like some kind of fight scenes if you're not into that but it's like a fun of found family type story with a bit of romance um, awesome. and you can read it in they probably have the volumes up but I read it in the Shonen Jump app okay awesome cool. that's a great rack thank you yeah that looks good <laughs> well and speaking of anime and graphic novels I know you are probably working on one or have one coming up can you tell us what readers can expect from you next so if you've read the reluctant royals series there's a novella called can't escape love in which the heroine is an anime and comic book fan she has started her own website called girls with glasses and the hero has to make an escape room for what turns out to be her favorite anime and they bond over this anime called reject squad ultra which was entirely made up for the novella. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a shonen manga mixed with Sleeping Beauty set at a military high school. Cool. Afterwards, I was like, man, I really would love <laughs> for that to be real. And people kept That's being so like, cool. you know, is it going to be real? And I was like, I hope so. Um, and yeah, so now it's going to be real. I am working on it with a really incredibly talented O'Neill Jones, um, who just came up with amazing character designs. It was just going to be like for fun at the beginning. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> um, and now it's like a thing. <laughs> yeah, now it's a thing, but it won't be out until 2024. Um, and right, I am also working on the second book in the Hive series. Um, the first book was The AI Who Loved Me, which mm-hmm. is a rom-com, sci-fi rom-com thriller, I guess. <laughs> I basically call it like 90s action romance. Yep. 
That's yeah. perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so I'm working on the second book in that series, tentatively called Can't Get You Out of My Head, but um, and featuring her friend, uh, Yana. And that would be an Audible original and then available for wider release after a few months. That's Sweet. Awesome. Before we let you go, where can readers connect with you online? On Twitter, uh, my handle is at Alyssa Colit, L-I-T. And also on um, Instagram with the same name. Uh, I have a Facebook page, but I have not looked at it for years. I don't know what's going on over there. So if you ever try to talk to me on Facebook and I don't say anything, it's because I literally do not yeah. open Facebook. Yeah, that's it for now. No awesome. TikToks Sweet. yet. <laughs> I know it's like how long can we all like hold out? like I, I'm totally game to like look at t- TikTok but the idea yeah yeah actually make them um, is like very anxiety and yeah it's a little overwhelming I just like I feel like it's one of those things for me like if I started doing it, it would take up way too much time because That's I would it. be like no I must cut this video by another millisecond like yeah, yeah. Be too much. <laughs> uh, I did start making videos with some little dinosaur toys that I found but yeah. just, you know we're, we're like a year into the pandemic or more like yeah sometimes you just got to find a dinosaur at the checkout and make a video with it (laughs) put him on his own little journeys love it exactly on that note we should all go find some dinosaurs to play with yeah Um, thank you so much for joining us today Alyssa. thank you Alyssa. thank you so much for having me And we are back. Wasn't that interview with Alyssa so much fun? She's just the best. I love her so much. I loved it because we just spent so much time laughing. Yes. <laughs> um, and just to remind everyone, her new book in the Runaway Royals series, How to Find a Princess, will be out next week. It'll be out on May 25th. So definitely check it out. I've read it. It's delightful. I love it. I loved it so much. So, so yeah. And it, I don't, I think I'm sure she, she said this in the interview, but it's an Anastasia retelling, Uh which, and, and, and I'm not going to spoil it, but like, it's really fun how she twists it. It's really great. I love it. Oh, I'm so excited to read it. I, can I say, this is a digression. I have been trying to get Ivy to watch Anastasia. It's not working. No, because I, because, you know, technically now Anastasia is a Disney princess because Disney bought whatever com- the parent company who yeah. you know, the studio that made Anastasia. So it's on Disney plus. And like, I was like, I what movie do I want to watch? And I'm always like, well, you know, there's Anastasia. It's real good. And she's like, no, it's fine. So I think it like, it just looked different enough, even mm-hmm. from a little thumbnail image on the TV that she's like, no, that's not a Disney movie. Somehow she knows, knows. Know. which is so wild. I mean, the animation's slightly different, but like, even as a kid, I always thought it was a Disney movie and it's I knew better. better. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just as good. So I don't know. I have to like, it's just because Dimitri's too hot. He's too yeah. hot to be a, to be a Disney prince. <laughs> Anastasia's great. She looks beautiful. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Maybe that's, that should be a goal, an upcoming goal. <laughs> but you know what's not good? Speaking of, just to keep going on the Anastasia yeah. route, the musical was terrible. Oh, I don't think I ever looked into that. Yeah. yeah, the Broadway musical, we saw it, my friend Alicia and I saw it on Broadway, like, 
in the before times and oh. it was real bad. Oh. It was real bad. That's, oh, well. Yeah. The music was good, obviously, yeah. but yeah, the story was, they just changed a lot in the story. Let's talk about some goals. So your goal from last time was move for 30 minutes every day. Yeah. I think, I think I definitely have been able to accomplish that, um, in the last like three weeks, mostly because we have to walk our dog all the time now yeah. <laughs> and that is, he's 11 years old. So, uh, that's a process yeah. <laughs> of moving. <laughs> yeah. I think I was successful. What about you? Yeah. So my goal from last time was I was preparing for my summer reading project really, mm-hmm. and I'm going to reread all of Austin and I wanted to decide on a reading order. And I think I'm just going to read what I want to read. There like you go. Going in like publication order or chronological, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why, but I just, I feel like reading Emma. So probably in the next week or so, I'm going to get started and I'm going to read Emma and go from there. I love it. And then it'll be so cool. Cause at the end, when you finish Emma, you'll be like, okay, what mood am I in to read next? It's like listening yeah. to making your own playlist and then just mm-hmm. following the the route that the song takes you on. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So I'll keep everyone posted. What is your goal for this week? All right. So this week, um, my goal, once we get moved in, um, is to unpack as much as possible mm-hmm. right off the bat, because I do not want to live around boxes. <laughs> yes. And um, I am notoriously lazy and I procrastinate a lot. And that's a very easy thing to be lazy and procrastinate about. So my goal is to unpack and get settled. Uh, and yeah, I don't need things to sit around when they don't need to sit around. Yeah, I, I mean, that's essential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I agree. I think that I'm definitely like when we have moved in the past, I'm like that person. I, I will, un- I unpack pretty much immediately. I'm yeah. also that person, like when we, tr- if we do travel, like I immediately come yeah. and just unpack because otherwise it won't happen. Exactly. So yeah, yep. I like that. I think that's a great goal. I love this goal. I need to just work on my patience. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I think of you as such a patient person. <laughs> no, I'm secretly very, very impatient. Not even secretly. I don't even think I'm that secret about it. I think I need to like be, I need to be nicer to the people I live with. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> not my cats because they're the worst they don't count but I feel like you know cats. I think you know obviously it's been over a year of like really just the three of us like you know we we see like my parents and my in-laws yeah. and friends here and there but really it is just the three of us and two demon cats but and no so, you guys are at your worst right now <laughs> yeah you know so I just feel like we just I I personally feel like I feel like I'm just very short and maybe grumpier than usual. I just need to work on it. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a metric. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to try. And I, I, this has actually been going, this is like kind of ongoing for the last couple of weeks. Like we have like, and not just about me, like the three of us in our family, we kind of had like, we were like, we need to just be nicer to one another. Aww, Weird, yeah. like, with, you know, it's like grownups and then like our six and a half year old daughter, but it's just like everybody let's all just Let's work it out. It's almost like going to be consistently nice. We can just go outside more. I think, you know, we just, we're going to fit in. The world is kind of reopening. Yeah. We'll figure out what our new baseline is and, and go from there. But yeah. yeah. Deep breaths and two minutes of meditation will probably be helpful. <laughs> <Not> something. <laughs> I don't know. 
patience is so hard. And especially when you're just like, when you feel like the end is close and like you have so many endings coming up right now where it's like Ivy's getting off of school, you're getting ready to go on a trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're waiting for your vaccine. Everyone's just kind of waiting for the vaccines Mm -hmm. to kick it so that you guys can go out and see your friends and stuff. And it's feeling that pressure, that excitement just makes it harder to just like hold your breath when you with my patients, like, what can I turn to for comfort? Yes. (laughs) So what is, what is your comfort this week? Yeah. So my comfort this week, um, are blankets. Mm -hmm. I (laughs) I know that it sounds really silly, but like living in a new place where it is cold all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it has not gotten over, uh, we're in the States. So we, uh, it has not gotten over like 74 degrees, I think. And the low has Mm -hmm. been in the forties. Uh, and I am, I love the cold. I'm a cold, but I'm also a cold natured person. Mm -hmm. So I'm always wearing like hoodies and stuff. So I'm in a place where I can do that, but like getting all my blankets and getting all cozy up on my couch has been just like delightful. That is fun. I, um, I've been enjoying weighted and duvet blankets. I don't really have a blanket to recommend, um, for anybody, but I do love the Sherpa style blanket from Costco. It's a really good throw. And I like alternative down because I don't want to get poked by a a feather when I'm sleeping. You know, that's, that's a real treacherous thing, treacherous thing, because we have throw pillows in our, on our basement couch. And, and now you know why I put them on the basement couch. Mm -hmm. They have feathers and, and it's like, you'll like readjust when you're watching a movie and then you get like poked. I was like, what? Like, and I'm never going to be comfortable again. And it's like, it's always like that one feather that is like 12 inches long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. So what, yeah, you're going to need, you need some, uh, some calming things in your life yeah, to help with, you with my patients. My cover with this week kind of does. So I don't know what I was on, on Spotify, like <laughs> some random playlist that I just found that, I, that was like, it was probably, it was like, easy listening for studying or something, you know, and a song that came out, I can't remember which one it was, but it was by Regina Spector, who is an artist who I really love, but I haven't listened to her. Like, I know she's released new, new stuff, but I just haven't listened to it recently. And, and I was like, you know, so I went to her Spotify page and was just going through and then her album, which came out 15 years ago. Wow. I know. But Begin to Hope, which is like, I think a really good album from start to finish. And I think I know it so well, because when it did come out in, you know, the mid, early mid aughts, like I was really into it. So I know all of the songs backwards and forwards, like I think they're amazing. Um, So I can just like turn it on and have it on when I'm doing stuff. So perhaps, yeah, I think working on my patients, I'm just going to listen to Regina Spector a ton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. Last from the past, maybe someone else will find that funny. <laughs> I think it's so cool too when you go back and re-listen to something because like mm-hmm. lyrics make more sense when you're older. You can bring your experience into it differently. Of course, as always, you can follow us on all the social media. But I think I feel like for the most part, we're on Twitter. We're the most active on Twitter. Yeah, you can um, definitely find you us can there. Follow, yeah, you can follow at Fresh Fiction, and then I am at. DJ underscore dresser, like yep. furniture. And Gwen, how about you? I'm at Real Vixen, R E E L V I X E N. Great. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We love it when we see those come through. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>